Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Sports Travel Podcast. I'm Jason Gewurz, the editor and publisher of Sports Travel, and we have another fantastic guest today in John David, the Chief Operating Officer of USA BMX. Before we get to the conversation, this podcast is being sponsored by the Teams Conference and Expo, the world's largest gathering of sports event organizers and the destinations and suppliers that serve the sports event industry. Teams 19 will be held at the Anaheim Convention Center in Anaheim, California, November 11th through the 14th. This year's conference will once again feature the co-location of the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee's SportsLink and NGB Best Practices Seminars, as well as the annual symposium of the National Congress of State Games. For more information about Teams and what's in store in Anaheim, visit teamsconference.com. And now, on to our conversation with John David from USA BMX. In recent years, the sport of BMX has done something that few other sports have been able to do. They've increased participation rates and at some impressive numbers, 9% growth over the past three years on average, according to the Sports and Fitness Industry Association. Part of that has been the result of a concerted effort to grow the sport at the grassroots level with new initiatives for first-time riders, and part of it's been through a concentrated effort at building and maintaining relationships with host destinations that are investing in new tracks and helping to bring top-tier events to their cities. Case in point, the UCI BMX World Championships, which are headed to Houston in 2020 at a brand new venue that's just about to open. In this conversation, we're going to explore how USA BMX has helped with this growth as a national governing body, how the organization approaches its relationship with host cities, and a little bit about how John got involved with the sport himself. We hope you enjoy the conversation. John David, welcome to the Sports Travel Podcast. Hey, thanks, Jason, so much. Really appreciate it, and uh, pleasure to have the opportunity to chat with you today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, obviously, we've uh, gotten to know each other a little bit over the years. We're both uh, members of the board of the National Association of Sports Commissions, now Sports ETA, so I've gotten to know you a little bit there. And, uh, of course, I'm somewhat familiar with BMX, although I'm hoping to learn a little bit more in this conversation as well. For starters, John, I noticed that BMX just turned 50 years old, if I've got my lore correct. I think the first recorded race was in Santa Monica, California, and this is a kind of an anniversary year. Is that do I have any of that right? Yeah, no, you nailed it. It's a, it's a very special year for our sport, and we've got lots of celebrations surrounded around that. So really proud of that fact. Of course, you know, for USA BMX, we're forty two years of age, you know, ourselves. So uh, kind of amazing that to have the sport now hit that fifty year mark. Yeah, you're looking pretty good at fifty. I think uh, everything seems to be go- going the sport's way, from what I can tell. And, uh, you know, one of the things, John, um, I think we've talked about this in the past as well, but I was uh, just recently at a conference with Tom Cove from the Sports and Fitness Industry Association, and they track all kinds of participation rates. And one of the things they do is look over the last three years, you know, which sports and activities have had the most growth. And according to most recent statistics that I saw, their top three fastest growing sports over the last three years and activities were tennis pickleball and BMX right there on the top of their list. And I know it's it's been there for a while. So I'm curious, John, maybe we'll start the conversation kind of at a, a macro level, but does that stat sound right for you from what you're seeing on the ground? I mean, are you seeing that type of participation increase from your events and, and everything you're involved with? Yeah, you know, certainly we love what Tom Cove and those guys are doing and, and, and really proud to have that. You know, we've been in, the, in that for the last three years, you know, in their top three and 18, we were number one. So yeah, that's exactly what we're seeing on the ground. And, and it's something that we're really proud of. Uh, really since 2008, 
We have had, uh, you know, on our slowest years, uh, a 4% growth rate of total membership, you know, to our best years uh, of 8% total growth rate membership. And it, it's just, honestly, it's just been a really fun ride. And, and I'll tell you this too, and something I, I certainly hope we can dive into today. A lot of that is, is because of our approach to sports tourism and, and the benefits that we've really received, you know, by, by being heavily involved in, in the sports tourism world. Yeah, absolutely. We'll go into that. That it obviously begs the question of kind of what is accounting for this growth. And I think there's probably a few things going on. And uh, I would agree your approach to sports tourism is definitely one of it. One of the things uh, that I was interested in chatting with you about, John, because I think you guys are doing this uh, really well, is also your approach to kind of the the first time participants in the sport. I know that uh, you've made an effort in making that onboarding process a little bit easier for people. I imagine that has something to do with it as well. Do you want to talk a little bit kind of about your approach to a, you know, getting new participants into the sport? Yeah, it, absolutely. I mean, and I think that probably one of the first things that really differentiates USA BMX is our focus on the grassroots level. So we've got about 320 local BMX tracks across the United States and in Canada. And uh, last year alone sanctioned uh, just under 12,000 local BMX races. That's an amazing number. Yeah, it, it's, and I always love to share that number because it, it, it really is staggering. People are kind of amazed when they hear that, that you, to, to see that there's that many local races. And that really, that, that, has, that is only race events. That does not count, you know, the, the more than double number of, of that number of practice events, clinics, and, and things like that. So, but for us, the, the real differentiator is focus. And, and our focus truly is more than anything. How are we growing our sport? What are we doing and what are we bringing to the table as an association to help our clubs grow and expand and become stronger? Because if we're growing on the local level, everything else works well. And I always tell that story and, and kind of laugh a little bit about what I meet all of our friends in sports tours and our DMO partners. You know, and I think they kind of look at me a little bit weird because I'll tell them, you know what, the national we're going to host in your destination is going to be great. But, but really what's going to be amazing is the Tuesday after the national, because we want that Tuesday after the weekend national, that following Tuesday to be the biggest local race that track has ever hosted with more brand new participants, you know, than anyone else. So, you know, and that really leads me into this onboarding of, of our new participants. You know, one of the things over the years that we really found out is that when you compare us to other sports, you know, when you sign your child up for soccer, for swimming or anything, you know, these are sports and these traditional sports that people are very, very familiar with. And uh, when I go and bring my kid to the soccer field, I know what that seems like. I've done it a hundred times that you grow up watching these sports, you participate in yourself. Well, we really, in a lot of respects, in a lot of communities, don't have that same benefit with BMX racing. And going to the BMX track for your first time can be a very intimidating process. And uh, that's really why we invented one of our new programs. It's called BMX a Beginner League or Racing League. And it's co-founded uh, by Olympic bronze medalist Donnie Robinson, who's got a deep, deep passion for BMX racing and growing the sport. Uh, he's actually now, by, by default, has become the track operator of our Napa uh, California BMX track. And, and the concept is simple, is we basically take our brand new participants, we completely isolate them from, from the entire culture of BMX racing, and through a six-week training program, guide them through getting into the sport with one-week sessions, you know, and every single week they've got coaching sessions that guide them through what it means to become a BMX racer with the final session being an actually race within the rest of the BMX culture. And we have just found 
such great success from not only the marketing component and how we're getting these riders really through social media and, and what our spend is on social media and, and the messaging and we're really perfecting that as we speak to the retention rate and how we're retaining these brand new riders versus when they would just kind of show up organically, you know, not have much instruction and not have a process. So we've really gotten organized with it. You know, last year was really our pilot year. This year we've got about 75 of our clubs, you know, that are running our BMX Racing League. And we, and we couldn't be happier with the results. But it just took that moment to step back, look at our sport, compare it to others, and say, hey, how can we do this different and how can we do it better? And it's really working for us. Yeah, it's a really interesting concept that you've got there. And you mentioned these uh, you know, 12,000 or so sanctioned races that you have. So let's differentiate between what's happening you know, on a Tuesday at, at some of these tracks and your own events that you organize as USA BMX, your, your national series. So how big is your national series and, and how does that work? Yeah, so when you look at the layers of BMX racing, we've got, of course, we've got those 12,000 local races. You know, then we've got all of our state level events. We've got our regional, which is called our Gold Cup series. And then our, our the pinnacle of it all, which is our, our national championship series. And we've got about 30 national events across the United States with the culmination uh, being in our grand nationals in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Shockingly, our season literally starts typically second weekend of, uh, of January. We kick it off in Las Vegas at the amazing South Point uh, Hotel and Casino. And we conclude there in Tulsa. And we hit about every town and destination you can imagine in between from small markets to mid markets to large markets. And the series has been just terrific. Our, our, some of our smaller events uh, will, will tend to be about 800 athletes. The larger events will hit 1,500, uh, 1,800 athletes, with the Grand Nationals typically being right over uh, 3,000 athletes. And we've got some neat dynamics that are within that. One of the biggest things that I really have worked on, and, and honestly, just by osmosis and being within the sports tourism family, especially with my time at NASC on the board, is really learning what our numbers are. And, and it, for any rights holder, that, that's a tricky, tricky thing is trying to find out, you know, through some great analytics and through some, some data scrubbing is, is what are your numbers? You know, how many spectators are you averaging per participant? The, your ratios. What are your number of, of room nights per participant? And it took us a long time. But we partnered with our DMO friends. And for about four years, you know, we surveyed at about every event you could imagine under the sun from small market to mid market to large market. And then we took our own data and our participation list and everything else. And what we found is one, we have a really high spectator per participant ratio at 3.2, which is easily explained because if you ever come to a BMX race, one, it's an individual sport, not a team sport. So families are coming as a family unit. You're, you're not seeing you know, your, 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 your kid take off with the rest of the team or with the team mom. So you're seeing entire families travel together. You know, and two, one thing that's very unique in BMX racing is the multiple generation participation. Very, very common for us to have multiple family members, but also mom and dad racing right there, you know, with their son or daughter. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it makes for a really, really unique, you know, experience among the family, you know, and, and I like for you, Jason, with your son, you know, it gives you that opportunity at the BMX track to not only participate as a family, but to really sit there and, and race as well. So when you go into the room nights, it's the same thing. I mean, we really, you know, scrub that data to find out that average of about 2.5 room nights per participant. So on average, 1,000, you know, event race will hit about, about 2,500 room nights. That average is really interesting because we'll do an event uh, near uh, Orlando and, uh, uh, you know, tell their course with the, the attraction that, that is, and we skyrocket to about 5.2. 
Uh, our Las Vegas event has an average room night per participant uh, that skyrockets to, to about four. So 2.5 is, is, a, is, a, is a really, you know, is honestly one of the lower averages, depending on the destination. Summertime, it hits a little bit higher as people use it for vacations. But we're real proud of those events in those spans. And, uh, and, we, and we love our national series. But again, at the end of the day for us, our primary focus is great local racing and growing our sport. Yeah, well, we talked earlier about this concept of sports tourism and and how that's uh, playing a role in helping to grow the sport. So talk a little bit about your approach to going into new destinations or markets. Um, you know, BMX, you require kind of a specific type of venue, but at the same time, you know, you mentioned some other venues there that are not necessarily BMX tracks that you can go into. So what's been your approach? What's been your strategy in partnering with these destinations and trying to figure out what would be a good fit, you know, for the events that you're actually organizing? You know, it, it, it's always, you know, I, I love our shows. I love the Teams Conference, for example, and the, that opportunity to have the meetings, you know, with so many destinations. You know, classic rights holders are like, oh, I had a meeting and, you know, it, it, there was no connectivity. We don't have the venues or whatever. For us, we just take a different approach. It's when we sit down and we have one of these meetings with a destination, it's, it's A, do you have a BMX track? It's B, if, if you don't, how do we build one? So when we work with a destination, you know, we want people that are passionate about their destination and, and that, are, that are interested in developing programming. And how can they support the program beyond just a major event? So sports tourism for us has been, honestly, when I look at, you know, Tom Cove's study at, at SFIA, you know, we look at the growth. I mean, we, we really, we put a, a strong emphasis on the success within sports tourism and partnering with DMOs and creating advocates within the industry for us as to why we're showing such great success. Because with us, as you build venues, as you build clubs, you build membership. You know, so that is a huge focus of ours is to build these new clubs and these memberships. And what we're really doing is going out there and partnering with destinations and saying, hey, either A, we have a venue that needs some upgrades. Or B, we don't have one. But let's partner. Let's create a three to a five-year plan on how we get your venue to that level. And then USA BMX will backstop it with some of these national events. And that's what we're seeing. You know, Louisville is such a great example. And it was like one of, honestly, one of the highlights of my career to be able to, at the team conference last year, bring out, you know, we had about 50 attendees that came out, demos that came out to see the venue. But you're looking at one of the most unique partnerships ever created between city, state, county, reinvesting about a million dollars in the venue. And BMX came in and said, listen, we're going to give you a 10-year commitment because of what you've done for our national events. And they, they're bought in, they've got skin in the game, and so do we. So that's really been the approach. It's let's find passionate partners you know, who are looking for a great sport. BMX is a great niche, niche sport. They can have great success in your community. It has so much appeal, not only for the national end, but for the local level because of the, because of the family attraction that it has. You know, but, but how do we really make it just a perfect fit for the community, for us? It meets our mission of new ridership, but also meets the DMO's you know, mission of expansion of, of, of great room nights and great events. Yeah, and that Louisville track is uh, is pretty phenomenal. I agree. That's a, a unique situation over there, and they've done a great job with it. You know, John, you mentioned two other events at the outset. Your beginning and and final event of your of your national series at you know South Point and in, in Tulsa. Those are venues that are not BMX tracks, correct? Exactly. So, of the thirty races we do, about ten are, are all are in arena you know arena based events. And, uh, and, and we, we really, we hit a variety of different types of arenas and, and there's really no kind of standard in that. In, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, we're an Expo Square quarter mile long venue. 
Uh, they actually do a sprint car race in the bottom of it where we do the BMX track, which is it was kind of incredible. And then 250,000 square feet of a free span expo space that we do for the Grand. So great partnership there. Uh, when you look at South Point uh, in Las Vegas, it's actually an equestrian arena. You know, but it's just a, it's just one of the, honestly, for rights holders, if you want to go find a phenomenal arena and one of the best staffs in the world, you know, go see the guys over at the South Point because it's a 6,000 seat, you know, arena with a good sized floor. We temporarily bring in the dirt, build the BMX track Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, run great racing Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And, and our customer base loves it because everything is under one roof. You know, I, we were just there for our summer race and uh, uh, literally I'd never saw the sun between, you know, Wednesday and Sunday because you're, you're in this beautiful hotel casino that has 2,500 room nights. It's got a great swimming pool, it's got a, uh, you know, 60 lane bowling alley, a 16 screen movie theater. So it, to, to do something that's still family oriented and still great for kids, but in Las Vegas, it kind of has it all. So yeah, a lot of variety with what we do. So we love equestrian arenas too. Uh, where you're going in and it could be a dirt floor type setup where we actually build the BMX track out of that area. So we really, you know, as long as the size of the flooring is good enough for the track, we can make just about anything work. Yeah. A uh, side note, you've got to find a way to combine equestrian and BMX into one single event. <laughs> I, I, Lord, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a whole different podcast. Yeah, if we're able to pull that off. Uh, but, you know, John, venues are still coming online. I know uh, Houston, for example, is about to launch their new BMX venue. And that's kind of an interesting story as well, because as I understand it, you know, next year is going to be the world championships of BMX coming to that venue, which was awarded even before ground had broken. So what's, what's going on in Houston? And maybe talk a little bit about, uh, you know, these world championships coming up. Look, I want to tell you that the story of Houston is so incredible and it's something that I feel so lucky to have been a part of. And, and again, it really comes back to, to, to just being an integral role in meeting great people in sports tourism, you know, uh, had the pleasure to, to meet and to become friends, you know, with Janice Burke, uh, the CEO of the Houston sports commission. And she gets a call one day and, and, and they want to talk about building a bike park. And they reach out to her for some expertise. Janice says, hey, let me fly you in and have a meeting. And literally, you know, it's unlike any meeting I've ever been a part of in my life, I think. I mean, we walk out of that and Janice just says, okay, well, we want to build the, the best BMX track ever built. And, and we want to host the world championships. And I'm kind of laughing saying, yeah, right. But hey, let, let, you know, if anybody could do it, she probably could. And, and her team, you know, Holly and Doug and everybody there, they've just been phenomenal. We master planned the park. We, we, we've literally, I, I was just there on, on, on Wednesday uh, for a site visit as we finished the construction of it. We were literally building the best BMX venue that's ever been built anywhere in the world. And the attention to detail, the investment that's been made, every aspect of it is just beyond belief. It's just absolutely amazing. I cannot wait to get our customer base there. But it all started with uh, Janice saying, hey, we, we really think we could do something special here. And what's very, very unique about the structure of this is while it's in the Greensport District, it's really kind of a park and recreation facility, the racetrack itself is going to be operated by the Sports Commission. You know, so these guys have really committed themselves 100% to this program and to, to its success. But what's been so special about it is the level of commitment in the approach that they've taken is they're not just coming in and saying, hey, we're going to run a world championships. We're going to run the Lone Star Nationals for 19 October, the Lone Star Nationals again before the Worlds in 2020 in March. They're coming in and saying, hey, how do we really get into this community and get people involved in a great, healthy sport that's, that's an Olympic sport that's amazing? You know, and how do we really do something that's beyond 
just this world championships or these major events. So we've partnered with them from an educational standpoint. So, you know, we've got our USA BMX Foundation. We're the only Olympic sport that has a full-fledged STEM education curriculum. And there, there's so many stories to tell about that in and of itself. But we came out and have trained the Houston Sports Commission staff. And they are not right now taking and deploying the BMX educational STEM programming throughout their community. Just at my last meeting with Janice, you know, their goal is to go in and to touch 200,000 and 2,000 students in 2020. And, and they, the excitement, you know, within them about this programming and what it could be is unlike anything we've ever seen. And right now they've already got a director of educational programming that's been hired. They're doing literally three and four school programs per week. You know, the Houston School District is so bought into the program and absolutely love it. And we believe that, that honestly, from opening day, that this could be one of the most successful BMX clubs ever created. And it's just simply because of a new approach and 100% commitment, you know, by Janice and her team. Yeah, it's an, uh, it's an amazing case study. I agree with you there. And it's, it's interesting, too. I mean, John, you're seeing all this growth uh, at the grassroots level, and yet you've got all these high-profile events. You've got the World Championships. Of course, BMX has been on the Olympic agenda now for a number of years. What's your take on the importance of that profile? Let's take the Olympics, for example. Looking back, has that played a role here as well, just having that exposure, or is that just kind of an aside to everything you're doing at the grassroots level? I, I think it's been part and parcel. I really do. I, I think we can accredit a lot of our growth to, to the Olympic piece of it. You know, in, in what really I would say the biggest impact of, of the Olympic integration of, of BMX racing has been is honestly kind of legitimacy. I think when we go to a lot of destinations that may not know us through sports tours, we really know a lot of people, but when we go to a destination where we just don't know, you know, the leadership of the city or the leadership of parks and recreation, and we're talking about constructing a club, you know, when they hear that the sport is an Olympic sport, they, they, you know, really look at it through a different lens. It's okay. Well, this is, wow, this is really something. I mean, this, these guys have a great sport. It's, it's youth-based, it's kids, man, it's, but it's also Olympic. Okay. This paints with a little wider brush than we may have thought. And so I, I think that's what the impact has been. The exposure has been great. Of course, you know, in Rio, we were so proud to have uh, to win gold, you know, on the elite men's side and elite women we won, won silver, you know, so we've got some great coverage, of course, and exposure from that. Uh, Elise Willoughby been featured. Uh, she's actually going to be, you know, on, on, on TV, uh, the guys over there at NBC for, for the 100 day out launch and things like that. So we're, we're thrilled at it, what that's been meant for us. Excellent. Well, in the time we have left here, John, I did want to ask, what is the latest with your relocation? The USA BMX had announced a few years back that you were going to move from your uh, current site in Arizona to Tulsa, which, as we talked about earlier, the uh, you know the site of your largest event in uh, over Thanksgiving weekend. What is happening there, and what's the current time frame for your move? Yeah, things are progressing really nicely uh, with everything in Tulsa. And I, I just we can't say enough about the city leadership. Uh, over there, and, and of course Ray Hoyt with the CVB, and, and just their efforts to make things happen. But uh, right now we're in final design phases, which is re it really again, it's it's really getting into the fine tuning of the design and the budget, things of that nature. Uh, these time, you know, when you're trying to create a venue like this, that's you know, it's our office, it's our Hall of Fame, it's an arena to host some of the best events in the world, if not the World Championship. You really have to do it right, and it just takes time. But we have an incredible. Uh, architectural firm that's working with us, an incredible construction firm that we hired. People, we found people in Oklahoma that were, didn't understand and know our sport. So we're not doing a lot of that translation that you have to do. But uh, we look to have, honestly, within about the next 60 days, the budget finalized, the architectural design finalized, the Hall of Fame, uh, you know, 
a structure and, and design finalized as well to where we should be able to get construction started for the end of the year. Uh, the construction timeline on that, we're being told it's you know, uh, 18 to 24 months. So we're, we're excited about you know getting into the dirt there, digging in and starting to make this thing happen. John, here's a question I don't know the answer to. What's your background in the sport? How did you come to BMX? Did you ride as a kid or what was your interest? Yeah, you know, it's it's so funny. So I was a racer uh, and, and grew up with that. My sister and I both raced. And uh, as a kid, I mean, I still remember literally, you know, just grabbing my dad at 630 in the morning and just looking at him and, and knocking on him and waking him up and saying, come on, let's go. We got to go. We got to go. And uh, w- when I hit the BMX track the first time, it just clicked. I loved it. Uh, you, you know, I mean, it was a, that was my sanctuary at the BMX track. It kept me out of trouble. You know, my dad was with me. My sister was racing with me. So as a family, it was really special. And I, I ended up going into motocross racing and, and racing a lot of motocross and then got back uh, back to BMX actually when I was going to college, when I was going to LSU. And a friend of mine was running the BMX track and, uh, you know, I, I went over there and helped him one day and just, you know, in my in my adult you know side of things, you know, really fell back in love with it. And I had the pleasure of running the club there for about three years again while I was in school and then got hired on, you know, with the governing body after we had secured an event. I uh you know, had, had the pleasure of meeting the Baton Rouge Sports Foundation and the fine folks over there, working with them to, to create a bid book uh, for the governing body at the time and uh, went in. And, and actually, I drove from Louisiana to Ohio to deliver my bid book and, <laughs> and handed it to the CEO at the time. And he said, what is this? And I said, hey, we, we won a big race in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And uh, we, we, we got awarded one. And, uh, and really, and honestly, the rest is history. How often do you get on a BMX bike now? Do you get to uh, try out all the all the new venues, John? You know, virtually never. You know, uh, and that's that's by design. You know what? It, every once in a while, we'll jump on one. We'll, we'll build the track and you know test ride it. The staff will jump on it and have a good time. Uh, we love it though. I mean, you know, I go and I see like I'm in Houston the other day doing a site visit, and, and those competitive juices, you know, are definitely they're, they're they're deeply hidden now, but they're still there. I saw that track. I was like, man, I want to jump on that thing. Are the are the ramps any bigger at the uh, at the beginning than they were when you were? Oh yeah, oh yeah, right? yeah. The, <laughs> That's the, what I thought. The, yeah, the turds are about three times the size they used to be. The jumps are, are definitely are definitely bigger, and uh, you know, so it's a little different game than it was back when I was racing. Excellent. Well, uh, maybe that's a good way to, uh, you know, to wrap things up here, John, I feel like there's a lot more we could go into, but, um, definitely appreciate your time and, and everything that you've been doing with USA BMX. You obviously have a lot of good things going on there and it looks like the future is pretty bright for you guys as well. Yeah, Jason, we're, we're, we're just, we couldn't be more passionate and more excited about the direction of our organization in the sport, you know, and, and we just, we have great passionate people who love what they do and they want to see nothing but the best for it. And I think when you can take that passion and, and provide some good strategic planning behind it, anything's possible. And look, we're proof positive of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, John, it's been a pleasure talking to you as always. Thanks very much for being on the podcast and I'm sure we'll see you around soon. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate your time. This has been another edition of the Sports Travel Podcast. Stay tuned for more discussions to come with leaders in the sports event industry. Until then, this is Jason Gewurz for Sports Travel Magazine, and thanks for listening.